0: Oh, my, my, I love yours. Mr. Yous humble servant.
1: That won't be necessary.
2: And hello, welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this comfy...
0: And I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this comfy podcast. Think of me as Ed to Dave Sean. I love killing zombies, and
2: he's got red on him. I thought it was going to be something about being ginger but fair enough you've got a red t-shirt on (laughs) oh yeah that's true the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple we ask our guests their best ever sequel their worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel and of course we quite often drift off and talk about other things not just movies sometimes life in general we also do drop big fat spoilers for movies that we mention on this podcast most of them are old films but sometimes new ones do creep in so if we mention a film you don't want to be spoiled then just press pause stop, flick forward a little bit, go sharpen your knives, you know they need doing, and then come back, and it'll be fine. Because on today's episode, we are joined by Sam Clements. Sam is a brilliant podcaster. He's the host of one of our favourite
0: podcasts, 90 Minute Film Fest, or 90 Minute or Less Film Fest, I should say, uh, where if you've not heard of it, the clue is in the title, they talk about lots of films that are less than 90 minutes, which me and Dave really love. Love that love it he has some brilliant guests and it's just a great listen so do make sure you go and have a listen to that
2: yeah because we're very excited to sit down with sam and chat all things sequels with him these are sam clement's unequal sequels enjoy first question up just to get the the mind taken over what was the 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 sequel that you got excited about when you were little sequel i got excited about when i was little
1: uh I think when I was little I just used to like going to the cinema to watch everything but the first sequel I was aware of because it was a big issue uh, was buying Batman Returns on VHS in Asda and I had to get my mum to buy it because the film had a naughty rating it might have been a 12 or a 15 at the time and my mum was like torn she was like well it is Batman so that's kids thing but it, it is a like a red circle uh, on the certificate you know and I definitely wasn't 12 or 15 and I think she was just like are you sure it's okay and I was like yes mum, definitely fine <laughs> and then we watched it later that evening and there's a scene where the penguin played by Danny DeVito bites off a man's nose um, um. <laughs> and I think my my realized she'd been conned um, <laughs> but I remember having to like properly sell it into her like yeah it's, it's Batman it's just Batman you you know, don't worry, just Batmaning uh, sort of stuff, you know, and and uh, and and just trying to like make sure she didn't ask too many questions about that that sort of fifteen or,
2: or sort of high search on that film. <laughs> did Did you tell her there's a toy range that used to be my? way around it. Like, there's
0: toys of it, Mum. There's, there's toy. If there's toys, it's fine.
2: They wouldn't make really the kids without toys, would
1: they? <laughs> I leant heavily on the fact that there was a cartoon series, a really good Batman animated series that was on Saturday mm. mornings in the 90s. And I, I was watching that and I think she was aware that that was a thing. So I was like, it's just based, a cartoon. Yes, based on the cartoon. Or So I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I knew I wanted to see a new Batman film. <laughs> and I think it was just an impulse buy. I was in Asda in the, what used to be the sort of physical media section that supermarkets oh, yeah. no longer have... And mm. I was like, well, I want to buy something. I think I'll buy, I'll buy Batman. It <laughs> doesn't matter the certificate. Uh, and that's happened a few times. I remember when like some Tarantino films came out. I think I was a bit too young to watch Kill Bill and had to convince my dad to buy Kill Bill on DVD uh, for V And he was like, are you sure this is okay? I was like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's yellow. <laughs> Look at that nice yellow cover. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. And my dad got really into it because he came home with Kill Bill and uh, that Tom Cruise film. Is it The Last Samurai? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I didn't ask for. But I think he was like, "You like things with swords in." (laughs) (laughs) Have a sword, have a Tom Cruise sword flick. Uh, So that was that was a a little bonus. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I've had to do that a couple of times because I I was sort of into films early on. And it's their fault because they used to record. um, Films on VHS, you know, like that were on TV. Yeah. And mm. some of the first films I watched were all sequels, uh, things like Terminator 2 and Aliens and Alien 3 before seeing the originals of, of either of those. Those films my dad recorded, and it was like if my dad recorded it, it was sort of fine to watch. Uh, <laughs> so they set me up to these, you know, sort of more grown up gory films.
2: I think if you watch Terminator 2, you can watch Batman Returns. Yeah, definitely.
1: But we didn't have to yeah. buy, it. we didn't get, um, there was no scrutiny on that one. There wasn't a shop assistant going, you know, this is a maybe a 15. <laughs> There <laughs> uh, yeah, it was on television. Do
0: that so much back then. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't that. It, it seemed to be when we were kids. There wasn't like nobody was really hot on like checking if you were fifteen before you bought a fifteen or rented a fifteen or anything. Like I remember, I rented like Pulp Fiction when I was about thirteen. Huh? Like. <laughs> like <laughs> I sat down and my little brother's like I want to watch it and I was like no you're nine
1: you can't watch Pulp Fiction <laughs> I think because everybody who worked in those shops was sort of like friends from school or like maybe they were a couple of years mm. above uh, at least for me anyway but local blockbuster video was all just run by people who were I sort of recognised at school and I think there was a very you know I mean they were 16 years old they're not going to ask for ID are they yeah exactly I
2: don't remember having a problem when it used to go to the cinema people IDing me either you quite often get into films maybe 12 to 15s maybe not the 18s they'll push a bit more but i remember Mm. going to see a lot of 15s when i wasn't 15 like between 12 and 13 um so the cinema was a big thing for you when you were young sam was it
1: yeah my just as a fun thing i used to love watching films i'd love watching any sort of telly um and used to watch a lot of films at home and then when we were you know sort of old enough to go um Maybe, I think my first film was maybe when I was six. It was yeah. either the Flintstones movie or Jurassic Park. I can't remember which order they That's came out. That's quite a difference. <laughs> <laughs> They're both about dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> so it was one, one or the other. And, uh, and once, we, once we sort of started to go, that became a regular thing. When well, my dad realized, I think, like, actually, there are some films that a six year old might sit through. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of go through it. So, uh, so yeah, it was like almost every weekend we'd go, uh, you know, and, and see our uh, films of varying qualities. The 90s was a, was a golden era in some respects uh, but the family movies of the 90s were mostly forgettable uh, so yeah I used to I used, and I just loved it um, then and uh, you know it was always to the same cinema as well it was always our showcase in Avon Bristol which uh, which is a real 90s multiplex you know like, and it's still if you, it's still open today if you go there it is still the 90s they haven't updated it at all so I, uh, I I do yeah like it's it's kind of nice I can literally revisit my childhood cinema which is uh, not possible for oh. everyone because so many cinemas have closed yeah. uh, down. But that was the bug, and then I yeah just got obsessed with films from a young age.
0: Yeah, my my childhood cinema has has been knocked down and turned into a care home, like and our our favourite cinema in Cheltenham's gone, Dave, is not it?
2: Well, the Odeon. Yeah. It was yeah. a that was a weird cinema because the the seats were all so close to the screen and it was like a set out like a theatre. That's what Mm. I remember about that one. And there was no leg room for big people. No, definitely not. We had a mate that was six foot eight and he had to book the same seat every time because it was like a curve. There was just a little bit more (laughs) uh, leg room for him. I did want to ask. So your mum, you took some talking to get Batman Returns. Yes. And then Batman Forever comes out. How old are you at that point? And did you have to convince your mum that is a family friendly film? And there's no darkness in that. That's a good question. I remember seeing those songs because I
1: didn't like them very much. And I remember seeing them because there was lots of toy tie-ins. I think there were like toys in in like Mm. cereal boxes and maybe Walker's Crisps did a promo. I, I do sort of remember collecting something to do with the the, 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 the new George uh, Clooney and Val Kilmer Batmans Uh, yeah so I I think maybe because those the age of bracket had really jumped down with those films like that was just a no-brainer and my dad probably wanted to watch um, a Batman film my mum never came to the cinema with us Uh, it was always with my dad Uh, though and and only really in like later life have I gone to the cinema with my mum not very many times but uh, I took her to see A Star is Born with Lady Gaga we had a nice time yeah Uh, saw of a sequel or a reboot not sure if that, that <laughs> qualifies um so like I've got her into the cinema I think as I've it's, as, as it's become my profession uh, working for a cinema company uh, my mum's a bit more yeah. interested in it now
2: uh, it's less frivolous it's <laughs> <laughs> is, is your cinema habits the same now than they were when you're a kid like sweets and the way you approach it and like I've got to get there before the trailer kind of thing or are you now because you work around cinemas you get there just before the screening starts I it depends. It really depends it depends on the film. Um and if it's
1: like a proper night out of like escapist fun. I like to get there in time to watch the trailers. I like to buy maybe some booze because you know you can do oh. that now and uh, if it's an evening screening and uh, and maybe an ice cream i'm not a big popcorn fan which is probably controversial for someone who works for a cinema company and uh, <laughs> you know a significant amount of revenue is probably raised by selling popcorn uh, i used to be an usher and i cleaned up so much popcorn i was like no never again i'm not going to put any cinema ushers yeah. through this <laughs> uh, it's the <laughs> hardest thing to clean it's so light and so sticky and uh, you, yeah. you do not get the tools really you get like a dustpan and brush and you know what's not designed to be picked up by a dustpan and brush popcorn uh so Mm. so yeah and less less of that but i do i do love going to the cinema i go a lot if i go to my dream like showtime is a weekend matinee love a weekend matinee a nice empty-ish cinema maybe maybe i'll have a coffee Maybe I'll sneak in a croissant from the Sainsbury's Bakery uh, along the way. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's just such a joyous time to go. But I also, if it's a big, Brilliant. silly, you know, film or a, or a highly anticipated film, I love going on a Friday night when it's really busy. I saw Avengers Endgame as a sold out Friday night screening and uh, it was great. You know, that was like the real fans were there and um, they really added to the enjoyment of that film. So I don't know. I guess it depends. Depends on the film. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Being an usher, I can imagine that you see the end of lots of films that you don't want to see the ends of before you see the rest of the film.
1: <laughs> I definitely do that. I used to. Well, I used to be a projectionist. So my my sort of potted cinema history is: I was an usher for a few years, and then I, I moved into the projection booth um, when cinemas had projectionists. You know, for every single screening, and I saw the yeah. end of. Like every film for a a two to three year period but obviously the films that played a lot during that time like I was a projectionist when Slumdog Millionaire was out and that film just played and played (laughs) and played I think it the cinema I worked at played it for about four months so four months of seeing the end of Slumdog Millionaire <laughs> and the beginning you're always there for the beginning always there the end so there's certain films they're not always the best films but there's just certain films that you 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 can't help but uh, forget <laughs> no matter how hard you try and uh, and yeah I sort of loved that though it's just sort of like the random that's because the audience liked that film so yeah, you know it yeah. wasn't like we had a megalomaniac running the building who was just obsessed with Danny Boyle like it just the film did well and people kept on to see it and and it was really nice seeing a first time audience come in you know three to four months after the film opened and we saw it this year as well like we're still playing top gun and elvis which yeah. opened before the summer and and i love that yeah. uh that you know first you know th- it takes a while sometimes to find the time to go to the movies and i, I do love that people are still definitely. coming
0: out for them we've got a friend james who used to be a projectionist and he he still says it's the best job he ever had oh yeah definitely uh, that was he, he loved that job <laughs> and then digital stuff came in and ruined it
1: yes yeah it got less <laughs> exciting when it was digital it was really um it was quite spicy when digital had just come in though, because the projectors kept breaking. So the reliable projector was the 35 mil, and uh, and you're like, okay, we could try our luck, and we'll put the digital one on and just see what happens. And like a new computer, we had all sorts of issues, you know, like oh, the subtitles are in the wrong language, or the you know the pictures upside down, and, and you just had to keep turning them off and on again because they were they basically like a big computer, uh, those ones. Whereas like the the 35 mil is is a machine you operate and you. Control its destiny. <laughs> you know, there's there's, yeah, there's fewer yeah. curveballs. But for a while, we were running digital and 35 mil side by side. So if the digital broke down, we could seamlessly like, just switch over to the other projector and the audience won't really miss a beat. Uh, and we did that with Wolf Street 2. That's amazing. Uh, no, well, yeah, Wolf Street 2,
2: <laughs> Money Never Sleeps, and, and Scott Pilgrim Mate, versus they, The World. Those people in that screen would have been asleep anyway. They wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> that's, that's a proper dull sequel, that one. Yeah, really,
1: like, forgotten film as well. But not for me, because yeah. I remember running two copies of that for every screening for
2: two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that films don't get enough time in the cinema nowadays? not limited time it depends doesn't it because um We've just
1: seen the summer, you know, Top Gun and Elvis have, have had the rule of the roost because no films really opened over summer. Uh, summer 2022 mm. uh, is a real anomaly. So normally I would agree with you, but I think this year actually we could have done with a few more films because we're, you know, our top yeah. grossing film uh, where I work anyway is is still sort of Elvis and and Top Gun, and uh, you know the audiences mm. are still coming out for that. But I wish they would come out for something new, you know, and other things in the list are like Nope and Bullet Train at the time of recording this, both of which have been opened. over a month and we're just not seeing new films come through i think it is picking up Mm -hmm. now which is good but you know before the pandemic we would have the other problem like you were saying you know we'd have 10 to 15 films open a week and films really wouldn't get enough time in the cinema so there probably is a happy medium i I do think it's unfair to open you know so many films against each other because you split the audience um but distributors are very bullish. <laughs> yeah.
0: We've really struggled with films to review over August and September because they're just not coming out, which is <laughs> like... Especially sequels. In a very dry patch. Yeah, sequels especially.
1: Yeah, yeah one yeah. of the best sequels of the summer went straight to streaming as well, like Prey, and we could have done with Prey in the cinemas. Mm. It's such a cinematic film, and I think at that time there were yeah. no big movies out. Like They would have had a really good run for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, got great reviews. Mm. I think audiences would prefer to see that type of film on a big screen. But, you know, whatever, the, the weird machinations of, of how films are greenlit these days and what goes to streaming and what goes <laughs> to cinema is a, you know, it's a dark art, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah we've cool. said about Prey that it needed a cinematic release. It would have looked good on the big screen. It would have looked fairly good, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame.
2: What is your best sequel ever, Sam?
1: I really I toiled with this one, um, and I think I mentioned Terminator Two originally, which I think you guys have covered a lot. So I pivoted yeah. away from Terminator Two, but that was one of those films that my dad recorded, and I saw on VHS before I'd seen the original, which is weird. Uh, and when I when I saw the original, I was like, Why is he Why is he bad? What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the film I've chosen is Wallace and Gromit: The Wrong Trousers, which I think is not only one oh. of the greatest sequels ever made, one of the greatest films ever made.
0: Brilliant choice brilliant choice we have briefly talked about this on a we did a best animated sequels episode and this definitely this came up so I'm excited to talk about it I've
1: been waiting for a guest to pick it yeah
2: and I can't believe looking back it came out in 93 is that right or was it 95 no it was early
1: 90s the first one I thought it was I
2: thought it was much later than this but yeah (laughs) I was obsessed by Wallace and Gromit when it came out reminds me of my nan weirdly why do you love it so much Where, where were you in your life I guess you're even younger than me I was probably six years old. I think
1: it came out at Christmas. I remember watching this at Christmas. Yeah. Hmm. Whether that was the premiere on TV or, uh, or, or not. So this was a film that was released originally... Uh, on the BBC. The BBC had co-produced it with Ardman. so a TV movie. Again, I don't know if that's breaking the rules of, of the pod. It didn't get no, a cinema release, but it did win an it's Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ardman had exactly. got good clout with the awards bodies, and um, they'd already had some heat from the previous Wallace and Gromit film, A Grand Day Out. So, And I hadn't seen, a bit like Terminator 2 um, and Batman Returns, I hadn't seen... A grand day out before favorite. seeing this this was my first film so i, I watched wallace and gromit in the wrong trousers and then when i saw grand day out which was made in the 80s and uh, it was a really long protracted like production on that film and nick park the director made it as a student film and and so the budgets aren't mm. the same and it, it looks a little bit it's still beautiful but it looks a bit ropey when compared to the wrong trousers the proportions are a bit weird yeah so it does look like oh what's gone wrong with wallace and gromit in the in grand day out uh, and the characters are a bit they're not they're not fully defined in a grand day out, whereas in the Wrong Trousers, they really set up who Wallace and Gromit are for all future uh, adventures. Uh, I think. I think like yeah. I don't know, like Wallace is it's just really different in a um, in a grand day out than than what he is in in Wrong Trousers. But that's the joy of a sequel, you know. You get to develop the characters. So yeah, I just remember like mm. it, it being magical, you know. This, this amazing plasticine animation uh, was was unlike anything I'd seen at that point. I guess kids' films for me were. I don't know, like hand drawn animations it was before CGI probably when i was watching a lot of my my kids films but to see like yeah. this 3d you know moving sort of model it it just felt like magic and i think at the time there was probably a lot of talk about how they made it and sort of like just that fascination with the models and like they're basically toys that yeah. you know they've they've brought to life. So all of that stuff. And I grew up in Bristol, which is the home of Ardmund, the studio who made this film. And I think uh, like, oh wow, like stuff's made in the town I live in. You know, it's not all made in, in Hollywood or London or whatever. Like that was quite exciting as well. Like and I I could see the Ardman building from really you know, it was like on my way into into town. It's like a ten minute walk away from my parents' house. So it was sort of nice, like I know exactly where that is. <laughs> 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 That's
0: brilliant. That's fantastic. I think I I completely agree with you. I think it's an, it's an amazing film, and the fact that it basically has one actor. I think you know, obviously, all the you know the 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 animated characters have have like personality, but there's only one voice actor in, in it. There's only uh, like Peter Sellers, isn't there? There's, mm. there's Wallace, and then yeah, no, the, nobody. You know how Gromit can have such an impact with, without saying a word. It's brilliant. It's really well done.
1: The most expressive eyebrows in cinema, I think. Yeah. Oh, dog. It's magic.
0: <laughs> I love the fact that you can see people's fingerprints in them. And, like, in, in the, like, you know, it's, it's it really kind of, like, makes it more real. Uh, I love it. Yeah, definitely. It's a great yeah. choice.
1: It's, uh, it's, and it's, I, I don't know if they're not, they're not forgotten, these films but they because they were made for tv movies they are they're not sort of in the same bracket i guess as a lot of other films like you know like it, it, you don't and because it's a short film as well it's only 20 minutes long you know sometimes short films that are like shorts they don't get the same mm. you know sort of preservation or prestige or you know sort of half life that a feature film does like you know even like browsing a, a, a video store you know there's very few short films available to buy and and with the wallace and gromit films they're all collected onto one disc there's there's three or four short films now uh, but mm. it isn't like you can go and pick up a copy of the wrong trousers you know easily in terms of like a physical media thing and you know very rarely screened at the cinema but probably more people have seen it because it had that prime time, you know, Christmas Eve or whatever um, slot on the BBC at a time yeah. where there were no streaming channels and we were watching four channels at home. <laughs> and it, it was, was a big deal. Respectable to sit down and watch a plasticine dog for 20 minutes, whether you were a grown up or a kid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's still part of our Christmas now in my family. We always watch Wallace and Gromit at Christmas. Yeah. And none of yeah. the films
1: are Christmassy, but they feel Christmassy.
2: No.
0: <laughs> Mm, they do yeah
2: it also does the magic thing that a lot of films nowadays can't do that it has a beginning middle and end in 20 minutes and the way it develops like you said develops characters just through looks like the penguin just through like the black (laughs) eyes is the so evil um (laughs) i remember the first time i watched this i couldn't understand how they did it like the i think at this point when i was young the only animation i've seen like that was maybe morph which was the aardman as well wasn't it tony hart yeah yeah so when they this is just magic when this came out I was like I can't believe this is how how long does this take and they're like years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longer than most feature films. <laughs> what, what why yeah why isn't it why isn't it longer and they're like cuz it would take it even longer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um you're right. I mean, I think Ardman are amazing screenwriters and they probably don't get the as much credit because, you know, the visuals are you're obviously drawn to the plasticine models and the, the you know, the stop motion animation that they use but because that process takes so long they have to get it perfect on paper and hmm. they do extensive you know rewrites and screenwriting and um storyboards and and you know like you that's where that's the safe space before you commit to years and years and years of you know moving a plasticines man's hand uh around or or, or whatever so um I, yeah i think animation in general probably doesn't get the credit it deserves for its writing uh, but ardman they take it so seriously
2: and that's why the films last. I think yeah. it does feel like ages. It does feel like this came like out last year, and it still looks amazing. Like you said, Grand Day Out does look a bit tired now, but watching this back, uh, and then I watched a, a close shave afterwards. They're all on the BBC iPlayer, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I love these. Is there a scene in Wrong Trousers that you love the most, or a character?
1: I think the the famous scene is the is the train sequence which is towards the end uh gromit is uh having to sort of literally build the tracks on a model railway um as the train is moving and it's this whole sort of this sort of of heist i I think that's amazing but i I do there's some really like subtle scenes which are, are beautiful as well there's a scene where so they they have to to pay the rent i never really sure of wallace and gromit's sort of living or financial situation i think he is professionally <laughs> an, an inventor but um we don't really yeah. get a sense of how successful uh he i guess not very because he has to take a lodger in in the wrong trousers and the, lod, the lodger <laughs> yeah. is feathers mcgraw which is a notorious criminal mastermind who wallace is oblivious to um and gromit uh, the smart one in the pair, cottons on that that feathers might be a wrong one um but feathers <laughs> manages to sort to charm, Wallace enough to kick Gromit out, and Gromit has to go and stay in his little dog kennel outside. And it's raining, yeah. and cleverly dis- disguises so himself so as a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Oh yeah, he puts a rubber yeah. glove um, to hide to turn the penguin into the chicken. It's a beautiful disguise. <laughs> Uh, oh it's you uh, so I do I do love I do well not love I just think that that scene where Gromit gets kicked out and has to live in the dog kennel is is really you know it's quite emotional I remember when I was a child thinking like oh you know this is a sad film Uh, you know it's raining it's raining and the music was playing but there's also this amazing heist scene where Wallace is asleep and for some reason he builds these robot trousers Um, (laughs) and uh, and... I
2: always wondered this Did, did he build them or did he, he he bought buy them because they turned up in the post <laughs> oh, I that's a good point weird, that's it? a good point because he is like I always wondered if it was his invention or it, did he see it in like one of his invention magazines and buy it That's true
1: we should interrogate the the origins of the actual the, the titular <laughs> trousers. <laughs> because he seems to sort of buy them thinking it'll be good to walk the dog <laughs> um, and Gromit met, yeah. isn't best pleased by this but um, Feathers McGraw works out that the trousers are also great for a diamond heist and uh, mm. uh, sort of an unconscious Wallace um, you know commits to diamond heist in these robot remote control trousers uh, I think that seems incredible because there's um, there's lots of effects going on you know uh, Wallace is climbing up the side of a building breaking in he's like cutting glass he's moving around lasers and all of this is rendered in, in plasticine or you know miniature yeah. models and it's just beautiful there's a really lovely um get, claw yeah. that comes out of the wrong trousers to grab this diamond and it's like one of those grabber machines you see at the on a, on a seaside pier to grab a cuddly toy and yeah. like just that sort of intricate animation when it's done at such a tiny <laughs> on a tiny scale is is, is mind-blowing especially the like
2: little beads of sweat they put down yeah. fever's face <laughs> it's the detail my favorite scene is when gromit has been hiding in the bed and Feathers and Wallace go out and the bed goes up and slides down into that uh, machine that makes breakfast. But the joke has already been preempted by showing Wallace what, ha- what it's meant to do. So when Gromit falls down and the uh, the jam thing fires jam and you wait for the toast <laughs> to pop up, but it's empty, and it just cuts to Gromit's face like i knew it <laughs> <laughs> breakfast is a big thing in, the these jam in these films as well which
1: is maybe another reason why i like them mm. like all of the films have a a scene of an elaborate breakfast scene uh you know and, and they love showing wallace drinking tea and, and making toast and having porridge and all that sort of stuff and that's just nice isn't it who doesn't love a breakfast scene yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and cheese I was about to and say cheese yeah it's cheese. all about cheese <laughs> I know we'll get onto to dream sequels later but did you ever think they could be a sequel to this one like the revenge of Feathers McGraw kind of thing
1: the character is so popular and this is his only uh, his only appearance I think in the films unless he has a cameo in, in the other ones mm. but I think the character has lived on in the merchandise and there aren't that many mm. Wallace and Gromit films, really. There's four shorts and, and a few sort of like compilation-y things, and then the feature film, Aware of it. But um But they, they live large, you know, because of the sort of pop-cultural recognizability. And I think Fevers McGraw is one of the most recognizable characters. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Fevers has really gone away. <laughs> um, but it would be nice to see him back on the big screen or, or a small screen, uh, maybe. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's up there with like Kaiser Sose in like movie baddies. <laughs> right, that's like Feathers McGraw, Kaiser Sose. <laughs> that's 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 your baddie. I think that's yeah. If
1: I was doing a top list. ten cinema bad guys list, I'd probably put him on. And I think everybody should put him on. Yeah. Maybe maybe we could convince someone, at, you know, a posh magazine or a newspaper, to run this list <laughs> and put Feathers McGraw in the top ten. Absolutely, Be- higher than Darth Vader. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely more sinister than Vader for sure
1: (laughs) Vader's had multiple films to make his case Ferris McGraw did this in 20 minutes he's worked on us in 20 minutes that's how much of an
2: evil mastermind he is Yeah, I would have thought he would have a spin-off by now because Sean the Sheep is huge Mm. Um, and he was just in one of the there's films. There's even right a spin
0: off so. of Shaun the Sheep as well. What's so the there's, there's Timmy, which is like a, yeah, Timmy a time. kids' TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sean the, the Sheep has had a incredible legacy. Of like
1: two feature films, a, a whole show, yeah. and then mm. Timmy Time as well. Like, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, that's that's more successful than Frasier leaving Cheers, I think. Shaun the Sheep leaving Wallace and Gromit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is amazing how it still stands up and and they still go in Wallace and Grom. what do you think the future is do you think they're going to make another film at some point hopefully or i, I oh it's so hard what the the
1: one frustrating thing about Ardman is how long things take and that's sort of like by design because they yeah. they make films in a very particular way they only ever use their base in bristol basically they can only ever really produce one film at a time because they use the same studio space i was lucky enough to have a visit for the sean the sheep movie and uh, which is like real dream oh, come wow. true, pinch me. Oh my God, I'm going to the Dream Factory. More exciting than any other film I could ever have visited because it meant I got to go to Aardman. And basically they they have one studio space and they take it over with the production of that. And, and that's all they work on for however many years it takes. And uh, and it's amazing because like normally when you go to a, a film set, they'll shoot a scene and then they'll move the set and then they'll build another set in that same space. But with Aardman, because everything takes so long, they'll build like 20 sets and they'll separate them all with like black curtains. You don't have to worry about sound because it's stop motion animation and it's literally taking stills Mm. photos. But like you you sort of go around and you talk to these guys on like stage 19 and you're like, what are you doing? It's like, well, we're doing a scene where Sean walks down a street and that's all they're doing for two years. Like that's their, that's their... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Uh,
2: Um, And Pirates is a great film. I don't think that gets the love from Aardman that it should do. I I think the pirates film is just genius. Now,
1: pirates feels like there should have been sequels too, because that character, the yes. Pirate captain, um, voiced by Hugh Grant, is is brilliant. And it yeah, yeah, it's so easy, but you know that that was a great character. It put him in a different situation. I think that was one of the lowest grossing films, sadly, which is probably why it didn't get oh, a, really? a, a sequel. Um, but uh, it, which is a real shame because it's beautiful, you know. That that was all they built miniatures for that one, and they were all so detailed. All the little costumes they're wearing, uh, some really amazing mm. jokes. So, yeah, I I think if if Aardman could find a way to scale up, maybe we could get more adventures. But they're really picky about what they choose because it's such a time sink and the whole company's in on it, really, you know. And they're doing a sequel to Chicken Run, which we're going to see maybe next year or the year after. But I I don't know if we're going to see more Wallace and Gromit. I think because Peter Salas has sadly passed away now, I think they're sort of quite protective about... You know, like oh, they don't want to recast him um, or, or something, so mm. they're probably having a bit of a quandary. Legacy, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there. Although I, I have been to because you know, based in Bristol, uh, it's the most popular place in town. I did get to visit the, the, the Ardman offices as well, and in the lift, Ardman, they got Peter Salis to record all of the the the, um, the floors. So, like, welcome to level oh, one, welcome brilliant. to level two, but he says it in a very Wallace <laughs> way, and uh, you know, his, oh. his legacy lives on in the elevator at the Ardman office. <laughs> Oh, that's
0: brilliant. I love that. <laughs> wow, that's a
1: lovely
2: touch.
0: Oh, look, you're days nearly crying now. <laughs> well, Wallace and Gromit means a lot
2: to me because it, it reminds me of my nan, who was one of my favourite people ever. Uh, she seemed to really connect with it as well. And every year for Christmas, I would, I would guarantee I would have a Wallace and Gromit something present. Oh. So I have mugs and figures and posters i think and anything and she collected these tokens once from i think it was kellogg's or something and she got me all these little wallace and Gromit figures she was amazing about it and she'd always get me like a wallace and Gromit birthday card or christmas card it was it was uh it was it was, it was, it was nice to have and i kind of missed that now so yeah. a simpler time <laughs> <laughs> i remember having a Gromit's head mug it was like yeah, the shake I, of Gromit's head i had heads. One. <laughs> key rings i did for i was obsessed with wallace and Gromit. um uh and I miss it and <laughs> I watching it the other day I was like oh I, I love it I love it so much I, I, I want more uh but obviously that might not happen uh, but I'm gonna cry now um let's move on what has been your most disappointing sequel so it's not your worst sequel ever but it's the one you went in hot and you came out the most cold so it doesn't have to be a bad film but just it let you down Like, this is why I'm describing... um, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, this was a a fun one to think about.
1: And I chose a prequel. I don't know if that counts or if that's even allowed, but I went...
2: Is this your worst one? Is this the worst one or the most disappointed? Because there's the two different questions. Oh, well... Sorry. I think this is a little sneaky question. No,
1: well, I, I think I originally messaged you that this was the worst one, but it actually probably is the most disappointing one. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> um, so so yeah, Star Wars A Phantom Menace. I was eleven when this film came out. You know, I was the right age. So excited. Yeah. I, I'd never maybe I had seen them. I think the original films were re released in cinemas, but I knew I knew the original were, films yeah. from VHS and never seen a Star Wars um a new Star Wars at the cinema at that point, you know, and, and there was so much hype around The Phantom Menace. And I had all of the toys from the original series, you know, I knew all the stuff. I had Ewok toys and Luke Skywalker toys and watched the films, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Um, and uh, and you know, I this was the first film I remember being really excited for and asking my dad, you know, when's it coming out? You know, can we go on First Day? And, and that was when I was like, before I was just like, what's on? Let's watch that, you know, having no yeah. sense of release dates. But this yeah. one I knew was coming, and there were so many, like, promotional tie-ins with you know, things that we'd buy around the house, crisps and cereals and, and things. I remember like collecting, um, Tazos and Walker's crisps, um, <laughs> which were a pretty pointless thing that you put into a book, um, <laughs> little <laughs> plastic discs with pictures on. But I remember collecting all of that and going really sort of heavy on it. And, and 11 years old to be disappointed by a big sort of sci-fi film is is pretty yeah that's 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 not Mm. a good sign is if you you alienate your core (laughs) audience who really don't know what they're talking about um and i was just a bit bored with the film and it was different i I didn't like how different it was to the original series um so i I remember like thinking like well when's luke skywalker gonna show up where's darth vader what's going on um and and all of the there was no stormtroopers like all of the things i recognized from from uh, the original series wasn't here so i think that's why i left disappointed it wasn't it wasn't what i was expecting <laughs>
2: No. Does it still leave a bitter taste in your mouth now?
1: I keep every few years. I sort of go and do a big Star Wars rewatch, and obviously the just the canon yeah. has got larger now because they keep making more films and and TV. So the rewatch takes a bit longer. But I, during lockdown, I did a rewatch when Disney Plus launched, and all of the Star Wars stuff was on it. And I was like, oh, maybe mm. now's the time. Yeah, you know, maybe now, at like thirty something, I'll I'll appreciate the Phantom Menace. It's still a bit boring, isn't it? <laughs> like, uh, and the, the effects <laughs> haven't held up super well. I. Is there anything good about it? Like, I maybe I, I think I might appreciate it a bit more now because I've actually weirdly, for a film I didn't like very much, have seen it quite a lot. Because I bought still bought the Blu-ray and the DVD and the, probably had a VHS and yeah. you know, I, I sort of have been in that world for a while, but um mm. it doesn't doesn't get any better. I do like a lot of the Star Wars spin-off stuff, the sort of cartoon shows, the Clone Wars, and that's definitely made me appreciate this period in the Star Wars sort of mythology but those films by George Lucas are probably the worst thing set in the sort of like prequel era i th- i think the the CGI series uh, clone wars and rebels and is is so much better so um really yeah that, they, is, they they really keep is, drawing yeah. me back in like maybe now i'll like this film <laughs> nothing really <laughs> happens i think that's the the issue with it you know there's a couple of a couple of fights yeah. the podrace scenes well staged yeah yeah, scenes,
0: yeah. It's I I was eighteen when I when I watched it and I was I had a very similar reaction to you essentially is that I just I just came out and went, Oh, okay. It wasn't kind of it was just not what not what you expected. But actually on rewatch I think I think the follow the movie the next movie after it that m- makes this look a lot better. Yeah, uh, if I, I if I, I, I watch them that. back now and then you've got things like the, the uh, Attack of the Clones... Like, oh no, <laughs> so there was there was a way down from this. Yeah, Hay- Hayden Christensen. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I really don't like the I mean, relationship between yeah, I... um, Obi Wan and and Hayden Christensen. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, no, uh, it's awful. You uh, McGregor and Hayden Christensen. But I do like in the show, mm. like mm. Obi Wan and and um, Anakin are good when they're in, rendered yes, in CGI yeah. and, and the writing I think is a little bit better. And over the course of a series, you've got so much more time, you know, for them to sort of. You know, get you get to see that relationship, and I, I do think in the films there's, there's really no chemistry between the three leads between Portman and and Christensen and McGregor, and that's kind of a issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a big yeah. issue. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, so for me, rewatching the Phantom Menace, I actually come out of it going, it's not as, it's not actually that bad. You know, it's actually it's better than I remember it. But I don't get the impression that you feel like that. <laughs>
1: I think I, I think I keep wanting to give it a go, and that's this is like it's like a constant disappointment in that respect. Like every mm. couple of years, I will give I'll rewatch all the films, and I'll like okay, I'm gonna give this one a go, and it's just not very good. And people often say *Revenge of the Sith*, the final part of this trilogy, is actually good, and there are some good scenes in it, but it's still a bad film. I, I think all of these these George Lucas prequels. Like they're all they're all just distracted by the technology. I think George Lucas is so excited by what he can do now yeah. with the green screen work, with the extra models, with the CGI, with all that sort of stuff. And he is pioneering in that respect. But he's oh, sort yeah. of taken his eye off the ball with the
2: script and with the, the actual human performances. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest problem with Phantom Men* is the, the human performances. And not just that, the human performances around working with CGI then they're, they're not quite sure what they're looking at most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's proper like golf. It was so area, early on. They're like, okay, let's just follow this green ball for a while, and then <laughs> they did They got the le- the heights wrong. And I know the boy gets in a lot of abuse. That the young Jake actor Lloyd. he yeah. was awful. Oh,
0: I I feel really I feel really bad for him. Like you know, it was just
2: thrown to the lions
0: then, but he was a little boy and they made it they were trying to make him act for things that weren't there and i don't know i just feel really really bad i I don't think he's that
2: bad i know you do dave i I go back to every time the making of these films are incredible um and they they're casting other kids and other kids are not great but they're better than him and george lucas is going let's go with that one it's like the first boy they watched and
1: I think the um, yeah. I remember those yeah. those documentaries. They're great on the DVD um, they're series. They're so good. So yeah, I bought all of them. when back when DVDs cost like twenty quid. I remember going to Wars and buying Ugh. you know these as they came out, and I had the, all of them on DVD. I used to love those documentaries. So yes, the documentary at the making of the film is much better than the movie itself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even just Jar Jar Binks, who again got thrown under the bus a lot, when they're discussing that in the making of is hilarious because they're like, if we get this right. <laughs> this film's going to be incredible um <laughs> oh. i i'm confused because that they, they now i say nowadays ewan mcgregor and that the promotion of obi-wan were like well there's definitely an era that these are their star Warses. Mm. and sam you said you're 11 so this should have been your star wars
1: should it should have been ewan um I I think Ewan is but I haven't
2: met a person that <laughs> age yet that has said yeah I've liked this. So they must be talking about minus 10. I think
1: even younger. Maybe. Because there are people who I think also people who actually grew up with the clone wars and then seeing these films as like afterwards. And I think if you go in mm. clone wars first, maybe you care about the characters of Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme more than if you saw the films first. Um 'cause because those, mm. those shows do so much heavy lifting for those characters and if you if you watch that show and then you see the movie you're going in with, you know, 10, 20, 30 hours worth of relationship that the films don't give you. So I think that's maybe, maybe it's a younger audience who actually watched the cartoons first and then they saw the movies. Yeah. And that's what I that's my posit to and McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: My seven-year-old son for a long time told me that Attack of the Clones was his favorite movie. And I was like, oh, I've... I failed, obviously, <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> but now... Now, What's his it's, film now? Now it's... Well, it, now it's the... Uh, the his favourite Star Wars movie is uh, The Last Jedi now.
1: Okay, that's good. A good taste. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah,
0: He's really into Kylo Ren. That's his big thing. Yeah. Like, he's into he's, bad guys. I yeah, don't know if that's worrying or not. <laughs> yeah. He just likes all the bad guys, you know. It's just, yeah. He's like that
2: Voldemort. That he's great, is not he?
0: No, but he, he doesn't like Voldemort. But he likes Slytherin. Like he wants to be, oh. in, he wants to be in Slytherin in Harry Potter. They're more exciting, um, aren't they? Like than, the villains.
1: Yeah. I guess for a child, yeah. often the, the villain characters, if they're done right, you know, like they're they're just more charismatic. Like. I don't know. If you think about, like, the Disney Aladdin film, Aladdin's kind of a drip. He's boring, mm. but Jafar's cool. Oh, yeah. Know? And Iago's fun. Yeah, and it's true. the same with Simba and yeah. Scar and the Lion King and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, villains often, you know, can make more of a, a definitely more of an impression on someone. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. And, you know, just, Do you think yeah. that's where Phantom Menace went wrong? Because it didn't really have a villain. You had lots of people talking about tax blockades and politics <laughs> <laughs> and
0: trade wars. Yeah, and trade, stuff. And, and yeah, stuff. And trade <laughs>
2: wars. is which is pretty, and people in cloaks that you couldn't really see. And then, I mean, Darth Maul is a, an awesome design. I mean, he's incredible, mm. and I think the end the fight's really good. But it doesn't. He doesn't talk. No, that's all. a no. flaw. He just stands in the distance <laughs> and goes grrr. It's a.
1: He's basically a, a like a really you know prominent henchman, and I do think it's a shame that he isn't well he he got killed off <laughs> um and didn't yeah. come back for well, the other films obviously he's come back later on and and i think he has a brief cameo in uh the han solo movie and live action again but yeah. yeah he's a great character and i think now they realize he is a great character but at the time obviously george wasn't concerned with with that uh because they went really with the marketing as well like darth Maul was in everything and there was like darth, yeah, darth mole pizzas absolutely. and darth Maul this and that and stuff and when you're watching the film you're like oh oh that, that was it he has yeah. two scenes and then he dies he says one line yeah. <laughs> like what's going on he's not are because he was positioned as being the new darth vader you know like he's so like look at, he's cool he's got two lightsabers you know and uh yeah. look at this great Well, when that happens that is cool is so right cool. though and <laughs> he goes whoa uh, so he's left <laughs> a really his appearance i think is like left a lasting legacy but it's a shame there was no character really that went uh went with that and yeah you know the fighting's cool ray park's great you know, martial arts person who can do great fighting, but um, yeah, you're right, it doesn't, it should have had a Darth Vader, they should have had a an iconic villain that that stayed throughout the series. The Emperor's not a great primary villain, you know, like he's good behind no. the scenes, uh, so yeah, another yet another flaw with these <laughs> films, yeah,
0: because I mean, essentially, the, the Emperor's a politician, and if you're a grown up, you understand that politicians are villains, but when you're a kid, you're like. Well, he can't be the baddie. He's really boring. Yeah. Mate. He, he just talks about like like, dro, like drone armies and
2: droids and like trade oh, federations. They're awful. The the droid army is ah. Oh. Super annoying. Yeah, those the, um, the, the banter rubbish. they
1: gave the droids so annoying, and um, and like, they're not they're obviously not a challenge for our protagonists. So it's just like like knocking over bowling pins, you know. Like oh, some more droids. Mm. You know, at least the stormtroopers in the original series like they they couldn't hit anything, but they were a bit more threatening and they looked cooler, uh, and they were scary. You know, they had that like you yeah. know that sort of like voice changer sort of thing. You know, made them not feel human. Uh, whereas they made the the, the 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 banter with the droids was so not fun. George Lucas cannot write jokes. No. <laughs> Please
2: stop. <laughs> you can't write a script. <laughs> if you were showing someone Star Wars now, where would you start? Good so, so someone who's never seen Star Wars, where would you start? Good question. I I have watched them through in the sort of
1: chronological order of the story um and, yeah. and it doesn't work i don't think i i think the way they were released because even if you know no matter what george says you know when the films were released that was as much as anybody knew who was like writing the script and all sort of stuff and you you have to watch the prequels as prequels um because they don't work yeah. as you know like this is what you should watch first One. and and then you know then it, you know actually the with the, the the new ones the um the sort of jj abrams ryan johnson ones they work better as well if you if you have a bit of distance between the original series so you have a little detour to the past um with those those george lucas uh, prequels and then you come back for the legacy sequels and because everything is so yeah. long ago in that in that world you know there's sort of like a real time between the um the original series there so i would do it in order of release and uh i will go down with that ship
2: <laughs> i'm with you that's how I showed them to my wife. She'd never seen Star Wars. I was like, "Well, strap in. Mm. <laughs> I'll show you the the good ones." And then when it got to Phantom Menace, I was like, "Here's some wine, ah. Here's some alcohol." A really foolish.
1: And then uh, a pre- um, this, these aren't great endeavor. I did once for um, I, I do a podcast with Picture Our Cinemas, and when Force Awakens came out. 2015, we did do a like mm. a, a a podcast where me and my co-host watched uh, all six then uh, sort of original films in a day, and we got quite delirious oh. by the time we got to the end. <laughs> of the thing like we we had quite a long chat about the first film we've recorded, and, and when we got to the sick film, we were like, yeah, oh, everyone dies, horrible, um, <laughs> just just like so <laughs> past it recording that at 11 o'clock at night. But it was a fun that was a fun experiment to do, and I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. Um, Definitely have some gaps between these movies.
2: <laughs> Another little, a little question before the dream question: Is there a sequel that surprised you that was better than the the previous one? So it can it can it can be two, but it can also be three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine,
1: ten. Yeah, I think a few recently, a few have, have come across. Uh, just to sort of quickly name drop a couple of things: like I don't like the original Top Gun film very much. You know, I wasn't I wasn't the right age for it when it came out, and and when I did finally watch it, I was like, eh. Okay, sure, whatever. But the new Top Gun is so good, Top Gun Maverick, like one of the best films I've seen this yeah. year and, and one of the best films I've seen for many years. I've seen it twice at the cinema. Mm. Um, it's still on, so I might go and see it again. Uh, I I really, really enjoy that film. And I think they did such a good job of taking the modern day Tom Cruise persona from the Mission Impossible films with all the real life death-defying stunts and you know turned it into this, you know, really neat, you know, sort of video game of a narrative. But I, I really enjoyed it. So um, that was a surprise because I went in thinking, oh god, another Top Gun. I'm really not fussed about this franchise why are we doing a legacy sequel uh, to that particular movie but um the series that keeps surprising me because it's mostly sequels now is the fast and furious uh, films where i didn't really care for the original i just sort of it came and went when i was i don't know like 20 years ago when that first film came out and they're stealing dvd players mm-hmm. from the back of a truck but now it's they're nine films in and there's a spin-off and there's more on the way and i'm so invested in that series and I don't know when... I think with Five, Fast Five, I got really into it. So that was the fifth installment. Five's when it kicked up again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There, and and that... Five's the air. It's... They change it, don't they? They change the rules. They turn them into mm. the characters totally changed. The, the scale increases. They're way more cinematic. They bring the rock in, who's just oozing with charisma, and and yeah, I really, I, I really got invested in the family uh, with Fast Five. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and then I've hung around for all the other ones. I enjoyed Six. I really like Seven. Eight was fine. Nine was a good time. You know, Hobbs and Shaw was a film. And and yeah. I like
2: Hobbs and Shaw. I like Hobbs and Shaw. I think it's all right. Hobbs and Shaw is a film I watch in an aeroplane. Oh, great playing <laughs> <know. That's>, that... <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, great playing it... Or like a Saturday afternoon
0: film. <laughs> uh... like, yeah. It's like.
2: So yeah. I feel... Yeah.
0: You don't have to concentrate too much. You can be like cooking and stuff or, you know, doing something else. I think else. that's the joy of
1: that whole series, yeah. though. Like they're. Um... I love nineties action movies like the films of Tony Scott and uh, you know, all of those sort of great things that we, we got, Cliffhanger yeah. and, and stuff like that. And and we don't really get action films like that now. They're usually they're basically superhero films, but Fast and Furious is sort of operates mm-hmm. outside of that. And I mean, they are almost superhero-like now in these films. They're so silly, but they—they are just like pure, honest-to-God action films. There's a villain in every one, and they do a thing. You know, the cars now sort of play second fiddle. I think to all of the other stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Yeah, I really, I do, I do like those films. And it's a big soap opera of a series. So yeah, that's a weird rule of thumb, I guess, where I got invested with the fifth film in the franchise.
0: I think that's, that's true for a lot of people because the fifth, the fifth really pivoted the franchise around, didn't it? It really kind of changed it up. I mean, the first one's basically point break with cars instead of surfboards. And and then two just is forgettable. And then three, I, I like three, I like Tokyo Drift. And then four goes back to being a bit forgettable again. Um, but yeah, you're right. Five just goes
2: like, Fine, Mission Impossible has happened, let's make this a thing. <laughs> I'd love to have been in that meeting. I'm yeah. just sitting down and going, Okay, what can we do for the fifth one? And whoever said bank heist, like it was like, Okay, that's a good okay, we'll put that down on the on the board. What else can we do? I mean like it just kept we're throwing more mental ideas, I'm like okay, we'll do all of these. This <laughs>
1: everything sticks.
2: It's a different. It's a bit, I mean,
1: they become a bit James Bond like as well, with like the globe trotting element. Like mm. this one's going to be in Tokyo. This one's going to be in Rio. Yeah, this yeah. one's going to be in London. You know, and like they they do make a big thing about filming. The Last one there was a weird scene in Edinburgh. Um, you know, not where I associate yeah, yeah. A, you know, like a fast car movie um, to be set. But it was it's real. No. It's nice to see them actually <laughs> shooting on location and taking the
2: you know the jamboree around uh, different countries and different towns. Yeah, that is true. Mm. I feel like they got to a point where they're like, "There's no like, no idea is a bad idea." <laughs> yeah, yeah, the franchise absolutely. might as well
1: be called "No Idea is a Bad Idea."
2: <laughs> and that, it, it worries me of where the the ten part one and two are going to go because I didn't really enjoy nine. It was they've it been was, to space. They've, they've brought down a submarine with cars.
0: Like, where do they go now? <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean it's
2: Have they done stuff in the desert? Desert driving? Like, I know they've driven like two. It's a short in a seven yeah, when they drive to Abu Dhabi or Dubai or wherever it is. Yeah. But
1: you want the Mad Max Fury Road of Fast and Furious. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> I think they could do that. That would yeah. be amazing.
1: <laughs> All driving. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of like they're just like these like I'm not like counting down the days for another Fast and Furious, but when one comes out, I will go day one. That's that sort of Friday night thing. Yeah. I was talking like I, I'll go day. one I'm afraid,
2: one. Sam. I don't know if you know it. I don't know if you know it, but you, you are counting down the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'll be there day well, one. Whenever day one is, though, you know, like
1: if day one was tomorrow, I'll I'll, I'll hop out. I'm not. I don't. Um, you know, I've, I've, yeah. I, I I I can happily live my life until that 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 moment comes, and then you know, I'll get the beacon. <laughs> They'll light the bat signal, and I'll be at the local, the biggest screen possible, the local IMAX. <laughs> To uh, to see that film. Yeah, they are they have to be
0: seen. <laughs> I like cinema. how the bat signal would just be like Vin Diesel's bald head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, just shine a torch from behind his head.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. It's also like Vin Diesel's personas changed so much with these films. Like he's now he's not like. Because he's not very interesting as a human. Like he doesn't really talk about no, nope. himself. He manages to stay out of like all of the sort of celebrity gossip sort of stuff. And he really only makes these films and voices Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy these days. But um, he's got this like this really weird like, weird like mythical sort of persona. And like when he does press now, it's like you know you're talking to the most important man in the world. Like he's he's it's just weird how his like he's like he's like tom cruise like but he's nowhere near as good as tom cruise and he hasn't got the same film history as tom cruise but he's in that same space because he represents this one of the most popular franchises in the world and these films do take money Mm. what i like as well is there's this universal appeal where like people have just got on board with it now you know people aren't so sniffy
2: like oh it's just about cars or whatever it's like oh they're a good time Mm. (laughs) they're a good time on the big screen yeah yeah i don't know how i feel yeah the man is a mystery to me like i think i think his next step is a cult leader he's gonna move like get loads of people to move somewhere with him and he's just gonna live out happily in the mountains talking about peace and love playing indeed. Yeah, yeah, do that. That. <laughs> well it's like he doesn't cause he doesn't really like have a costume for the films. It's just what he wears all the
1: time. Yeah, you know, he always wears a white vest yeah. and sunglasses <laughs> and you know shoes of massive platforms on. And and that's just what he and like he sort of transcended that like he's not really playing the character. It's just Finn now in no. different no. guys. It's like but like Tom Cruise, yeah. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise in everything. In Top Gun Maverick, he's yeah. Tom Cruise.
2: What is your dream sequel? I'm looking forward to this one. What is your yeah, dream, dream sequel?
1: So my dream sequel, and I think the listeners is going to agree with me. Is uh, that we were underserved by only having one instalment in the Nancy Myers uh, film *The Holiday*? There's only one adventure with those characters, and I really, genuinely think there's so much more to do, There's so much unfinished business uh, in the, the world of *The Holiday*. So I would love Nancy Myers to to go back to Surrey and to LA, and you know, to get all the gang back huh? together: Kate Winslet, Jude Law, Jack Black, Cameron Diaz, and, and give us another outing, uh, you know, with these weirdly mismatched couples. Uh, You know, uh, know, all through the guise of a house share or a house swap, uh, you know, sort of romantic situation. Um, I think it's what the world's asking for. It's 16 years now since The Holiday came out. And we've seen so many other undeserving films get sequels (laughs) in that time. So if we could revisit, uh, you know, those guys, I think their stars have never been brighter in terms of the cast. You know, Kate Winslet Mm -hmm. and and Jude Law Jack Black and
2: Cameron Diaz has retired, but she could come back for a holiday too. I want the holiday part too. I think I think a Netflix f- film's already beating you to the... She's coming back. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> With Jamie Foxx, apparently, yeah. But when you... So it's called The Holiday. Would you pick another holiday? Like easter or you know thanksgiving summer. i'm trying to, summer I summer holiday. I, summer
1: holidays oh, yeah. i do like it I when um, so. it's not when you have a holiday <laughs> i like it when i think it has to the, the, the core structure of the holiday is that you know couples meet whilst doing a house swap in an unexpected way so i think there has to be a house swap mm. and i think there has to be sort of an unexpected romance as part of the uh that, that sort of swap. I think you could have a really nice time making it a really like sort of awkward, sweaty reason to get the characters back together again, um, to, to sort of do the house swap thing um and i do think you can have fun with yeah. the title you know i like films where it isn't just like you know the holiday too it, you know it should be like you know a summer holiday or you know another holiday or something like we could with the screenwriter nancy Myers, yeah. maybe we can work up some ideas on the title uh, uh. there but uh, but yeah i'd like a fun title and yeah i'd like the most like really sort of like nine point sort of awkward reason as to why these characters get back together again and uh, and end up having to <laughs> sort of basically have another house swap and uh you Know, let's see what sort of japes uh, in in two. There was a couple of relationships at the end of the first film. So Cameron Diaz and Jude Law get mm. together. They're trying to make their relationship work uh, long distance. I don't think that's going to last. And also Kate Winslet and Jack Black get together just out of convenience. Like he's literally the only other guy there and they have no chemistry (laughs) really in the film. So I think I'd like them all to realize that they're not right for each other. But maybe they've stayed in like Christmas card contact. And for some reason, 16 years later, they have to get together again. But then you could bring in new characters for them to actually pair off with. And they find their real Mm. sweethearts. 15 years later
0: (laughs) oh Oh, nice I kind of I really like slightly dialed back Jack Black in this movie because he's not full on Jack Black is he he's kind of Jack straight man Jack Black, basically. Yeah, he's not a tenacious Steve's. He's
1: actually acting. And he's quite sweet, mm. really. He's a yeah. little like a little bit sickly in, in places. Um but uh, he's good he's a good time. There's a really nice scene in the in the first film, the only so far, uh, film in the holiday franchise, <laughs> uh, where a load of old timers come around and uh they're having like a Hanukkah party at Kate Winslet's house. Mm. And it's just like Jack Black is so charming acting opposite Eli Wallach in that scene. I'd like more of that, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. yeah, I really like that scene too. That I, I really feel cute. like in
2: your head, every time you talk about this, you, you try and call it the Nancy Myers like holiday Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, she's up there with That's Francis awesome. Ford Coppola. Like, this should be like the Godfather trilogy. like it's her Magnum opus.: <laughs> Yeah, um, I think Nancy Myers is a bit I like mean, is someone who hasn't made enough films, and like, the reason she hasn't made enough films is because she takes so much time to make a movie. She writes her own Mm. scripts. She writes original screenplays. She doesn't do franchise films or superhero movies or anything. So already she's sort of swimming upstream with wanting to do an original romantic comedy um, there. Mm. And even though she is... I think still the most successful female director of all time in terms of box office. Wow. She still struggles to get her films made. Her last film was the intern in 2015 and, and she hasn't really had anything since then. There's, there's talk that she is now writing a new film and is doing something, but um, she takes a time between movies uh, there. So, um, so yeah, maybe if she actually, she had a, a franchise, it would be easier for her to get funding each time. I'm um, just doing another holiday guys. Don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Was it love like at first sight for you, this and this film? Like, is this your favorite Christmas uh, film? I think it's one of
1: my favorite films of all time, like, genuinely, because I love Christmas films. A lot of my favorite films of all time are Christmas films. Muppet Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, classics. But um, this one, I obviously came to a bit later in life because it was released in 2006. And I was like, oh, this has got the magic of It's a Wonderful Life for me. It's charming, it's funny, mm. it's, uh, I love a rom com. Uh, you know, we haven't had many. I mean, we have had festive rom-coms, but they're all kind of bad, like four Christmases. You know, this is actually a good Christmas yeah. rom-com even though Christmas doesn't take place in the day, it's set around the Christmas holidays. It doesn't take place in the film. There isn't a Christmas Day scene uh, in the holiday. It's kind of weird. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, mm. it feels festive. So it sort of gets me on a... And I, I do think it's quite charming. It makes me cry. It makes me laugh. You know, any film that can make me sort of emote um, must be doing something right. So uh, so yeah, it, it stuck with me. I saw it at the cinema in 2006. I was like, oh, that was actually better than expected. And I've just stayed with it. And I've watched it every year. It's gone into Christmas rotation. So now I've watched it at least yeah, yeah. 16 times although realistically way more because um, we do a podcast about the holiday called The Holiday Season so I've watched it a lot yeah, um, yeah. for that so uh, so yeah I'm just sort of in the corner championing this movie um, this really like heavily seen film but but also like very forgotten movie <laughs> for 11 months of the year Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like it gets
0: the credit it deserves I, I really enjoy this movie and I watch it every Christmas yeah. um, it's in my list of, of like Christmas movies that I watch every year and yeah, I really enjoy it. And it's not like... I mean, Nancy Myers has done a has written a sequel before. She's written Father of the Bride 2, hasn't mm. she? So there's scope. There could be a sequel. Yeah, and
1: she's even unfavorable yeah, by Part 3 during lockdown. A Zoom film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's got a bit of a cast of characters who she likes to... Like, cast of actors she likes to work with. So I, I wonder if she did a sequel mm. to The Holiday you know like she's probably close to retiring she's you know like she must be in her 70s now so i think she could sort of cash in all of her chips you know get steve martin in get diane keaton in get robert de niro in like all these people that she's said in interviews like she loves working she's really close friends with diane keaton she's worked with de niro in the intern and he came back in far for the bride part three as a new character in that universe so I, i think she could sort of get other people from the Nancy Meyer cinematic universe to come in and prop the cast up and make it a properly properly
2: A-list uh, cast. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. Like like Rich, this is I've watched this a lot cause it's my wife's I think her favorite Christmas film and she's from Canada and I think before she moved over here in 2012 2013 this was her image of England—that cottage <laughs> with the winter and stuff. And when she got here, it's like, well, that's not it like it at all. But... No. Like,
0: also, there's nowhere that cottage is in Surrey.
2: No, well, <laughs> the cottage is in Surrey, um, but it isn't real. Oh, is real. it
0: really? Fuck it you isn't real. They built oh. it on a, on oh, a farm. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> so, I mean, one of our episodes we did was with the location manager of the movie, and he talked about how for uh. about a year. He was tasked with finding this like idyllic college, uh, cottage that was in Nancy Myers's head that she'd sort of written doesn't exist near a train um, station and yeah, yeah. And, and he went everywhere he went to Scotland <laughs> went to Cornwall went to Wales like all around sort of like the West Country um, Surrey and and um, yeah just couldn't find you know uh, something that would be suitable so um, they built one in a field right. uh, in um, in, wow. uh, yeah, in down in Sheer <laughs> oh well, okay. Uh, I take it all back. Is it still there or they knocked it down? (laughs) No, no, it was temporary. It was there for like a year or so because they had to let the garden bed in. Um, So they did build it and and let the sort of foliage grow uh, around it. But um, Mm. it got taken down and there's not even... There used to be, I think, like a laminated sign on a fence, and like the holiday cottage from the holiday was here, but um, that's gone now. (laughs) They need to have like a permanent, like a blue plaque situation, I think.
2: Um, Yeah, because it is on Mm. like it's
1: on a walking path, so and it's a lovely part of the world, so good for tourists, I I think. There is a pub in the town, which is a pub used in the film and uh, there is a sign in the pub that says jude law sat in this chair whilst filming nancy myers's (laughs) holiday and so like that there is like a reason to go if you do want to have a pilgrimage um in the uk for the film the holiday but
2: um you can't see the real cottage sadly (laughs) you've interviewed jude law right yeah yeah last christmas (laughs) was one was one of your questions when is the holiday two happening (laughs) we did talk about a sequel
1: I don't know if we did it on the podcast, though. I, I had this weird sort of um, thing last year where I, I met Jude Law a few times and eventually I plucked up the courage to say, oh, by the way, I loved a holiday. And he was like, what? Why? And then um, we <laughs> just because like, no one ever talks him about that particular film. I, I, I got the sense, you know, that Mr. I Ripley hurt. comes up a lot and, and stuff. So he was like, why? And we had a conversation about why. And we did talk about a sequel and he said he would love to do a sequel and you know just get back together with those guys he said they all had a nice time working together all the actors Cameron Diaz Kate Winslet Jack Black um and and yes, yeah, so I I think the cast are willing it's whether Nancy Myers has got a story or if she wants to actually you know spend time yeah. uh writing this or rather or, you know, a new film but um but I don't know yeah if, if Jude Law says yes surely it will happen right
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh fingers crossed for you sam i am really hoping this one pulls off for you <laughs> uh i i hope so i hope so i think
1: um i, I don't know for it. like definitely more people are watching it every year so like it's building this momentum you know over a period of mm-hmm. years um so maybe maybe nancy myers will, will sort of feel the uh the attention be like okay now it's time you know um. and
2: it does still hold up right it does like it does it's not it's a... mag- it is magical christmas film yeah definitely because it's unbelievable but yet believable at the same time kind of thing that's it gets the balance really, really nice. I think it holds up as well yeah. due to the Hans Zimmer score, and you know, his stock has never been higher yeah.
1: um, now. So if, if Hans Here Zimmer said the next time I'm doing is a score for the Holiday 2, all the June heads would come in, <laughs> all of the Batman fans would be on it. <laughs> you know, like, I think now that, that's what Hans Zimmer should should use his clout uh, to, to work on this one. Nice. Did,
0: I remember watched it came. I want to make trailers for a living. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds like a great job. I could happily do that.
1: <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Looks like a good time. So yeah. So uh, so yeah. All all being well, let's let's make let's everybody wish the holiday Tour into being.
0: And those were Sam Clements' unequal sequels. What very nice choices, Dave.
2: Oh man, that was really pleasant. We <laughs> we spoke about really nice films. We did, you know, like Wallace and Gromit and The Holiday, the Holiday mm, and Star not Wars. Not so much
0: Phantom Menace. Yeah,
2: it's always interesting to talk about Phantom Menace. But <laughs> is it a sequel? Is it not? Is it another Star Wars film? Yes, it's another Star Wars film. Yes, I know it's not. It's the start of a blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway, I don't care.
0: Anyway, we talked about it. Just <laughs> yeah. get over it. It's too late now. <laughs> it's too late.
2: We've done it. It's yeah. not great. It's not the first time we've spoke about it either. So,
0: I, I don't think it's the worst one of. The it's not first, that that prequel trilogy, and I don't think it's the worst one of the whole Star Wars, you
2: know movie no, it's universe. Sky, yeah. Skylord Sky Lord of r- Shitness is where it's called. <laughs> it's the worst one. It makes me feel physically angry when I talk Sky about it. Sky Lord of it. Shitness. What the hell's that? We all know which one I'm talking about. Okay. You
0: talking about? You talking about Rise of Skywalker?
2: Yes,
0: I love how Rise of Skywalker turned the Sky Lord of Shitness. I
2: really hate that film. Oh uh, uh, Anyway, <laughs> hey. best Boris and Gromit. Wrong trousers. Lovely choice. Lovely I know choice. it's only half an hour long, but it is a sequel. It is a short film. If you're good enough, you're long enough. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Exactly. (laughs) And in that film, they do so many things well. They do, like the penguin and Gromit, do don't say a word, and yet
0: they say so much. They've got more chemistry than Chris Pratt and every other leading lady he's ever been in the film with. So you know, (laughs) and they don't talk to each other.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is also true yeah wow that penguin's good but what else me, I think about it like I said in the episode I think of my nan it makes me happy yeah uh, uh, it brings back good memories and I will be watching them all again at Christmas all of them hmm. uh, so I good. can't wait for that The Holiday talking of Christmas wow it's a really nice movie it's a good Christmas it is it's a Christmas film me and my wife both enjoy because there's only a very few when we both agree yeah and The Holiday is one of those films I think it's great i like all the cast uh it does romanticize england a little (laughs) bit just a tad (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i like that i like that it it snows in that world yeah i think it romanticizes hollywood a bit as well right probably yeah everyone's in nice houses and meeting nice neighbors and you meet jack black and he makes you laugh and stuff like that and uh, i was surprised to hear that the house is not a real house mm. that's the biggest outcome of that whole conversation i, ever, <laughs> I swore it was real <laughs> yeah
0: yeah not a real house who knew yeah who knew well i think it was a lovely episode and if you thought it was a lovely episode and you'd like to go back to listen to more lovely episodes then you're in luck because we've got three other series well three and a half because we're definitely halfway through the fourth series now for you to go back and listen to check them all out we've got more brilliant guests we've also got loads of extra episodes we can hear dave and i rant about movies we didn't like or wax lyrical about movies we did like we do that quite a lot go back hit the little subscribe button hit the automatic download button and we will drop into your little pod player of choice every single time there's a new episode you'll never ever miss out on us again if you really like us and you really like what you're hearing, there is an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more. So we have a, a subscription-only service on Another Slice. Go to anotherslice.com forward slash unequal sequel. There are sequels to all of our interview episodes, and we've planned some incredibly special christmas based content coming up as well we're going to do some very special things coming up around there and you'll get loads of extra content out of our, uh, uh, our interview seasons as well so do make sure you have a look on there it's only 2 99 a month it's not very much but we understand that times are tough so if you can't afford the 2 99 don't worry we've got a competition coming where you can win a subscription so keep an eye out for that too We will be announcing it on social media. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter at Unequal Sequel and on Instagram also at at Unequal Sequel. And you can always drop us an email to unequalsequel at hotmail.com. You can tell us whether you like the movies from today's episode or you didn't like them. Anything we receive from you, we'll, we'll read out in our kind of monthly roundup episode at the end of the month whilst you're there if you want to give us a little like and give us a little heart and a five stars even write us out a rating we would love you forever wow you we've really
2: extended that a bit now and i'm i know right it's so long
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i'm talking for about an hour
2: <laughs> yeah uh thank you everyone for listening we really appreciate i hope you're enjoying the content as much as we enjoyed recording it By the time we're speaking, we've nearly finished everyone. We've got one more to record. Mm. Exciting. Uh, It is exciting. I've got nothing else to say, Rich. Have you got anything else to say? Nope, that's me. Okay, it's a a bye day from me. Bye day. that's Bangladeshi. Again, if it's wrong, the internet is telling me these things. Uh, It's so, it's bye from me. And it's a bye from him. Bye! We will see you next week. It's getting close to Christmas. It's getting darker. It's getting colder. It's getting more miserable. But let's all be happy. Why v- shall we be happy? Rich, one word answer. Christmas. There you no. go. Yeah, no, well, it can be, was, it can was, be. Was, We will see yeah, you yeah. on the next one. Bye bye. One word we expect. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't right, okay. <laughs> see what you're going to say. You'd be like cake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>